0: Better way to do this. Let me
1: show you a better way. Hi folks, this is Jack Spirico with a special Thanksgiving edition of the Survival Podcast this year. The Thanksgiving edition turns out to be episode 1256 of the show. It's November 27, 2013, and we're one day away from Thanksgiving at this time. For those of you that are new to the show this year, it's possible you've never heard this show before. Um, The show takes place in two parts. In the beginning, I talk a little bit about this year and what I'm thankful for and my thoughts on the year and heading into the holidays. And then I turn it over to a show that was originally recorded in 2008 in my car. That means that in just a little while here, the audio quality is going to decline drastically. Um, Some of the shows I've re-recorded, the special shows, the Veterans Day show, I, I redid. I don't know if I'll ever re-record the Thanksgiving show. I think I might always use that bass audio, the noise, the static, the reverb, the car, the wheel noise, and and what have you. And the reason is is because when I look back at that, one of the greatest things I'm thankful for is that in that same year, I got into my car with a cheap recorder and a cheap headset and decided that I was going to make a change. Make a change in my life and try to make a change in America. And that that crazy, crazy crazy-ass dream has turned into something like the Survival Podcast. Uh, Last year's show, I think the number that I gave out for the average audience on a daily basis was 50,000-ish. This year, that number has grown to 80,000. 80,000 people plus. uh, Listen to this show now on a a semi-regular you know, daily basis type of thing. And that's pretty amazing, and that's that's certainly something to be thankful for. But this year has come with a lot of stress and a lot of effort and a lot of work, but a pretty amazing result. We moved on to our new property in January of 2013, and this place was barren. Um, and what was here as far as infrastructure was terrible. There were nine garden beds that I wouldn't grow food in that because they were dilapidated railroad ties with creosote weeping out of them. And, uh, you know, we ran our first workshop and we turned them into a really awesome wood core bed system and a water harvesting system. Uh, we've brought birds into our lives. We have chickens and geese now. We have a new dog. We lost our dog, Blackie, uh, who spent 16 years as part of the family. 16 years, uh, of, of his life and, and a lot of that life, as far as I'm concerned, that dog was part of, of raising our son. And uh, we said goodbye to him, and I'm thankful that he was part of uh, our household. I'm also thankful for our new little buddy, Charlie, who's uh, an amazing dog and uh, who's really got you to know, just fit in and become part of the family almost instantly. He was a dog that you know, I looked at at the shelter, and I walked in the door. He was the first one I saw, and I was like, that's our dog. And uh, to make sure, you know, I was just on the cusp of losing Blackie, that it wasn't some emotional response, I went and looked at all the other dogs in there, and they were all cool dogs, but I'm like, that's not my dog. That's my dog. And then you bring him home, and he fits perfectly. Like, he plugs in like a puzzle piece into the family. That's kind of cool, and and I'm thankful for that. My wife has tolerated my insanity for all of these years. I'm I'm very thankful of that. She's tolerated a year this year that's involved travel, uh quite a bit of it, in fact. It's involved, you know three times over 30 people at our home, in and out of our house, disrupting our lives. And she's done a great job helping out with those events, and there's no way I could have done them without her. And, boy, I'm thankful for that. Uh, we brought a, a new person into our home, in Josiah Wallingford, our intern, who's been a, a, a great blessing to our household, and he's done a lot of great work here. And, you know, we, we actually have him headed toward a, a new career path which is what the internship was all about. He'll be running Permaethos as we figure out how to make that work. And uh, we'll, we're also looking toward, you know, by, by this time, you know, next month, you know, launching basically a site for him as the permaculture consultant because I have people asking me to do consulting that I frankly don't have the time to do. And uh, we'll be setting him up with that as his own business. Uh, that's pretty cool because it's more than I could have asked for out of an internship. It was never about getting work done for free on my home. It was about helping someone get into a, the lifestyle that they really wanted versus the lifestyle that they, they had because they needed to pay bills. So that's been amazing. It's, it's been really an amazing year. And, uh, we're very, very grateful for it. And that's a big part of what Thanksgiving's all about. There's people that, you know, Thanksgiving, it it brings up connotations of their faith and their religion, and there's people that are atheist or agnostic or deist, like myself that we don't really have an organized faith, but we still have gratitude. It's a bridge. It's a bridge that brings people together, that it doesn't really matter what your political affiliation is or what your religious affiliation is or... Honestly, even your nationality, I've I've heard from people across the world that kind of have a feast on this day, even though they're not Americans, even though this is a uniquely American holiday. And I'll tell you what, when people come to this country and they choose to live here, very quickly it's, it's one of the first holidays that they assimilate into their lives and into their families because it's such a great idea. Now, we do think about Thanksgiving. My view is that Thanksgiving is the perfect man holiday. Even though some people bring their religion into it, most guys after a big meal or before a big meal want to sit around and watch football and drink beer. And on Thanksgiving Day, you don't have to go to church. You don't have to put on any special clothing or anything like that. You hang out with your family and friends. You eat food till you can't move. You enjoy some libations, and you watch football. And generally, pretty good football games on TV you wake up the next day and you eat leftover turkey for breakfast. Um, whoever came up with the modern version of Thanksgiving, and you're about to hear who that was, should be awarded a Nobel Prize for for brilliance. I mean, this is the perfect holiday for all, but it's really the perfect man day. Um, you can't get a man much happier than a belly full of food, a cold beer, or a stiff drink, or a glass of wine, a football game, and his family around him, and it's completely and totally acceptable for him to lay on his ass and do nothing. Then take a nap and wake up and watch another football game. Eat a piece of pumpkin pie. Talk to his family and go back for another nap. It's a great day. But it is a good day to stop and think about what you're thankful for. So I'd like to do this. Take just a little of your time today. Come by the Survival Podcast. And uh, you'll see our episode, you know, our most recent episode there. But again, if you happen to do this over the weekend or something like that, that's fine. And you can find the, uh, the episode if you, if you need to. Again, it's, uh, episode 1256 of the Survival Podcast this year. And in the comments section, tell us what you're thankful for. Tell us about the changes in your life, the things that are better today because of your walk toward liberty and independence. And not only just from the, you know, prepper homesteader view, also from just general life. What, what in your life are you thankful for? I think that when we look around at our our country today, it, it's it's easy to be pessimistic. And whenever you're not, someone will do something that will give you an incentive to be pessimistic. Uh, as much good as there is, there's a lot of stupidity and ignorance going on in the world today. We have we still have are dealing with people having their front yards ripped out because they have a garden there. This is the, you know, after all of the times that, um, that the countries rallied around people having to deal with this, you would think that municipalities would pull their heads out of their ass and, and, and stop doing stupid things like this. There's no good that comes from it. It certainly doesn't do anything for good PR for your city or your town to behave this way. And it's just one example. And it continues. And there, there is though a need. For all of us to pause, to stop, to just say, you know what, all of those battles, all of those fights will be there after this pause. And in spite of those things, there's a lot that we should be grateful for. So Thanksgiving's a great time for both of those things. And I've said this a few times recently, partly to drive home, if you email me a book about your life story. Um, generally, I can't read all of it anyway, but if you do it in the next few days, you might as well just send it to... Uh, I don't know, uh, the the email address of, of the late, great, I don't know, Kubla Khan, because it's going to get lost in white noise. This is a time for me now that when I shut this microphone off and hit publish, and that, this show, 1256, goes live, uh, my business pretty well doesn't exist other than just simply weeding through the emails of anything majorly important, so that I don't have like, you know, twenty six hundred emails on Monday morning. That that's all I'll do. Um and that's because this is this is family time. This is wife time. This is friends time. We're another blessing we have is that right now uh Josiah's mom is here with us and will be with us for a few weeks. So she's here and will share, share uh Thanksgiving with us. This is time to be with, you know, a new friend uh, uh and family. And to just relax. And to not do work, you know. When we got done with the workshop, Joe's like, "We got to do this, and we got to do that. We got to get this, and we got to take all these numbers and put them in Excel about I'm like, "We're not doing shit until Monday next week." He's like, "Oh, well, we're not. This is this is camaraderie time. This is look back and appreciate time." And I know some of you have jobs where you can't quite make it that, but do your best to. And one more thing. If you can avoid going to a store on Friday, avoid going to a store on Friday. If you have to pay $3 more to buy something on the Internet, pay $3 more to buy something on the Internet. Stay home. Do your shopping from your computer. Ladies, while your husband's engrossed in that football game that you just don't have any interest in, pull out the laptop, sit next to the old guy, and buy him his Christmas present. He'll be like, what are you doing? You go, none of your business, and buy him his Christmas present. I mean, this is a time to be together. This is not a time to be running around competing over uh, an Xbox or a flat-screen TV that's on special while people trample on each other and are rude to each other. And you know what? My view is that most of the people fighting for these great deals are not out there buying them for other people for Christmas. You don't get like that when you're doing something for somebody else. My view is that most of those people are out there to get something for themselves because it's a great price and a great deal. I'll tell you what a great deal is. A great deal is being able to stay home with your family. A great deal is being able to realize that being in a warm home, surrounded by people that you care about and people that care about you, that's a great deal. And on that note, before I go to last year's podcast, I'd like to say this. It may be that you know somebody who doesn't have a family and friendship around them that you know normally go along with the holidays. It's not too late to pick up the phone and say, Hey, Tom or Sue or Bill, why don't you come spend the holidays with us? And if you even have one of those Thanksgivings where the house is completely stacked to the gills, where, you know, your relatives have their arms hanging out the window for a little bit of space and maybe inviting someone additional into that is too much, there's Friday, there's Saturday, and there's Sunday. Um, this is a long holiday, really, when you think about it. Most people do have Friday off. Um, so you have this four day weekend. If you know somebody like that, invite them over for, you know, college football on Saturday or something that, you know, just give them a place to go. Give them a place to be. It would be a great thing. And, uh, let's look towards Christmas with anticipation. Uh, whether it is a religious thing for you or purely a secular thing for you, it's, a, it's also a special time of year. While I'll go back into working mode next week. Um, I'm in low key working mode from now through the end of the year. I'm on like half throttle, uh, leading up to Christmas. And on Christmas Eve, I will shut down again and I'll really shut down then and I won't be back till January 1st. Depending on how the calendar looks and I didn't even look at it yet, possibly January 2nd. Um, and that time's kind of a special time too. And it's, it, all of this time of this year is about a reset. It's not just about the commercialism, and it's not even just about family and friends. It's about a reset. It's about we've taken all of this year, and we've done so much, and we've worked so hard. And I believe that about most people. It's certainly most people that listen to this show. Whether it's at work, whether it's at home, whether it's on a farm or a homestead, no matter where it is, you've worked hard this year. And you're you're working for something, or you're just on a gerbil wheel. And that means that at some point, you have to pull back a little bit, take a breath, think about what you want to accomplish next, and start over in some ways mentally. Now, all the work you've done up till now, it doesn't go away. It's not gone. It's not that you're not in a better position this January than you were last January, hopefully. It's that mentally... I've you. You have to kind of look back and acknowledge what you've done, because what happens is people are like, I never run out of things to do. I'm never going to get you know where I'm happy. I just I gotta go, gotta go, gotta go, gotta go, and they lose track of all the wonderful things that have already occurred. And when you take those things fully in, and you 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 see what you've done, again whether it's professionally or at home or with your family, when you see that, then it refortifies you. And then when you start again, you feel like you're building instead of trying to dig your way out of a hole. And it's good to have little pauses like that here and there, but it's nice to have nice, long, hard-set pauses. Thanksgiving comes every year. Christmas comes every year. And the collective holidays that run from Thanksgiving through Christmas, including the Jewish holidays and and the Muslim holidays and just the New Year's Day, those all come every year. Don't be upset when somebody says happy holidays to you. It doesn't necessarily mean that they don't want to acknowledge Christmas. I've always said happy holidays. and I say it starting about this time every year, and it includes Thanksgiving, and it includes Christmas, and it just includes this whole season. This whole holiday season is something to be thankful for. I'd love to hear what you're thankful for. Again, episode 1256, post a comment and let me know. And Now, let's go back to the first Thanksgiving Day special, 2008, me in my car, and yes, the audio quality is going to go downhill, but I don't think it would be the same if we ever changed that. Just like if you watch Charlie Brown Thanksgiving, which we do every Thanksgiving, it's got the old animation and, and what have you. It's kind of our version of that. Enjoy it, and uh, think about how far we as a community have come since I first did this. And here we go. Traveling back in time, November 2008.
0: First of all, the traditional view is in 1621, a bunch of pilgrims got together with a bunch of Indians and had a great big feast. They had turkey and gravy and mashed potatoes. All right. Uh, all the pilgrims were dressed in black and white and had big buckles on. It's not that far off. Here's the problems with it. One, they didn't have mashed potatoes. They didn't grow potatoes in the northern colonies that first year. Number two, they didn't have buckles. You know all those pilgrims, little kids, buckles? Buckles didn't get in fashion until the 1700s. No buckles. They were wearing black and white because they had the feast on a Sunday. And the Pilgrims wore black and white on Sundays. It was formal attire. They did not always run around in black and white while they were working in the fields and hunting and fishing and farming. It's a myth. Uh, women mostly wore colors like reds, greens, and tans. The men wore colors like tans, grays, greens, tweeds, beiges. Uh, so they weren't always running around in big top hats with buckles on and gaiters and things like that. Okay, so that that's a myth, not a big myth. Um, turkey, they probably had. Uh, the, the original recorded journal entry of Thanksgiving says they shot as much fowl as they could. That would probably be a lot of ducks and geese that time in New England. Another belief is that they had this holiday, uh, the third, uh, third week of uh, November. They did not. Uh, It was somewhere between the end of September and beginning of October that they had the original Thanksgiving. If you've ever been to New England, you will know why. Now, here's the big myth, that they had this first Thanksgiving feast, and it immediately became a tradition, an original American tradition, and that every year thereafter, they continued to have this holiday, and that as the United States evolved and grew, wherever Americans went, wherever colonists went, the the holiday went with them it's not how it happened at all you see they didn't even have the feast the second year didn't happen a second year because the colony was ravaged with a lot of problems and diseases and crop failures other colonists came and those other colonists didn't immediately pick up the holiday but over time As people began to settle the United States primarily, initially in the northeastern United States, in the Virginia colony, which ran from like the Hudson River area of New York down to what is Virginia. That whole thing was called Virginia Company. And uh, as that started to spread, and what I mean by spread is as the people started to spread out start to set up actual permanent places to live, building farms, starting to uh, to live normal lives at least for the period in the time. The tradition of Thanksgiving going back to that original meal began to be created. And people began to sit down at the end of the harvest season, and sometimes there was some formality in certain regions and certain areas to we're going to do it on this day or we're going to do it on that day. Um, but there was no official holiday. And there certainly was no colony-wide holiday. It was just something people did. And they did call, tell stories, and that's how the whole tradition of the, the original Pilgrims and Indians Thanksgiving uh, got kept. It, got, it became part of history, because people did tell that story by word of mouth. And they would sit down at the end, once they had, they had you know, put everything away for the year, and finished making their winter preparations. And what does that remind you of? The Ann and the Grasshopper, modern survivalism, that's exactly what it was, folks. It's exactly what Thanksgiving was in its origination. People would get ready for winter. They worked hard all spring. They worked hard all summer. They worked hard in the beginning of the fall. They put everything down in the root cellar. They did everything they possibly could. They went hunting. They went fishing. They stacked up the meat in the ladder. They did everything they could to get ready because they knew, especially if you've ever experienced a winter in Connecticut or New Jersey or Massachusetts or Vermont or New Hampshire or Maine or upstate New York then you understand what they were getting ready for brutal cold short days they didn't have greenhouses folks no ability to grow anything and even the game would get scarce by about December because it would be hard to find because it would go hole up somewhere to keep warm itself and it would have to travel long distances it wouldn't congregate anymore so it would be hard to even go out and harvest anything at that point besides it was too damn cold So hopefully they had enough wood chopped, they had enough food put in the larder, they had enough food in the the root cellar. And remember, they didn't have refrigerators, freezers, electricity. But when they got everything as done as they could, they sat back, they came together, and they had a great big meal. I want you to think about something that most people will never, ever think about today. What they had done is put away enough that they hoped... Would be enough, and often people were quite hungry by the time the first days of spring started to come around. Sometimes a winter could go longer; it would be later in the season before you could plant crops. Sometimes you'd start your crops, and you know what would happen, folks? A late frost would come in, and and it's put you back three, four, five weeks. It's a long time to go without food. So you would think that after they put all this food away, they would immediately begin rationing their food. This is how much we have today. This is how much we have tomorrow. We have to plan for the future. People that put that much planning and effort into preparing for winter, you would think that's what they would do. And, folks, it's the way they lived 99% of the time, except for Thanksgiving. On Thanksgiving, they covered the table with food. And it was at times it was a three-day event, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, and you went to church on Sunday. And they would have relatives and friends, and and anybody that didn't have a a real close family to go be with would be invited into the home if they were a family friend. And food would be shared, and people would eat just like we do today until they couldn't move. And you know what that was? It was a Thanksgiving. It was also a reassurance that we're going to be okay. We've been good ants. We've worked hard enough. We're going to make it through the winter. We will be here to see spring. It's okay to enjoy the fruits of our labor and our efforts. It's okay to share with others. It's okay to be grateful for all that we have. It will be enough. I sure wish that instead of just teaching our children in school about the Indians and the pilgrims and the fake buckles, that maybe a little bit more of that was going into our education system. A little bit more of an understanding that when people 200 years ago, 300 years ago, sat around a table and ate that much food and shared with that many people at one time, that it wasn't like today where if you needed more food, you went to Kroger, or you went to Publix, or you went to Winn-Dixie. They're even still in business, I'm not sure. Albertsons or whoever. There wasn't anything like that. In many of the colonies, there wasn't even a lot of stores around of any kind or shape. You know, you'd have to get on a horse and ride for a day just to pick up a couple sacks of grain for some extra provisions to make it through. And what if you had to do that in the winter because you ran out in the winter and the snow drifts were six feet high? That's how it was. We were still in the tail end of the little Ice Age folks during the 17 and 1800s. Early 1800s were cold. Long, cold winters, colder than you can imagine. But they had a feast. They had a feast, and the main purpose of the feast, besides being thankful, was to reassure the family, to reassure everybody. We're going to make it through winter. We're going to see spring. It's an amazingly optimistic view of a holiday that many people that would like to go back and rewrite history have tried to tear down. Let me tell you a little bit more about Thanksgiving and why we should be thankful that there is a Thanksgiving today. The first official declaration of Thanksgiving was by George Washington in 1789, but it was not made a national holiday until Abraham Lincoln did it in the middle of the Civil War. He was looking for a way to unify the nation, so he officially said, The date of the third Thursday in November is Thanksgiving Day. After the Civil War was over, Thanksgiving was largely not celebrated in the entire southern United States. It was viewed as a damn Yankee holiday. And it was only over time as people began to relocate and the wounds between the states began to heal that the people of the South were willing to accept the holiday as an American holiday instead of a Northern holiday. So when he tried to monkey with our holiday, his name was Franklin Delano Roosevelt. And I'm sorry, I think I said that Lincoln set the holiday for the third Thursday in November. It was the fourth Thursday in November, which it is today. I'm, if I made a mistake, I'm sorry. But it was Roosevelt who then moved it from the fourth Thursday to the third Thursday. Now, why would somebody do that? Why would somebody mess with tradition? What does everybody do on Friday after Thanksgiving? They go shopping. Like to believe that it was different during the Great Depression? It wasn't. People went shopping on Black Friday during the Great Depression. So Roosevelt thought if he moved Thanksgiving back a week, it would add one week to the Christmas shopping season and help spur the economy. Eventually people got pissed off and uh, complained about it, and it got moved back where it is today, the fourth Thursday. That's how it became uh, that day, and that's how it was put back on that day, and that's how it's been ever since. And I think one of the things we really need to understand about the spread of Thanksgiving through the United States is how it was commensurate with healing of the wounds between the states from the Civil War. And I think if you're 10 years younger than me, you know, maybe my generation was the last to really see it. For what it was. And I'm glad that it's gone and I'm glad that it's dead, but I think we need to remember it so that we understand what a great nation we've actually formed today. Because sometimes I get real hard on our government. And I'll continue to do it, folks. You'll tune back in. You'll hear me tearing up a senator or the president or a chief justice for stepping on our Constitution. But overall, we have a pretty great country. And what I remember... When I was a child, very young child, I'm talking kindergarten, first, second grade, and I moved from Pennsylvania to Florida with my family, my grandfather and his friends in Pennsylvania would always tell me, you're down there with them damn rebels. And the kids that I went to school with would sometimes call me a damn Yankee until I picked up that Florida accent. And... It wasn't like it is today. I hear people call Yankees people Yankees today, and, and generally, when you hear somebody call somebody a damn Yankee today, it's it's because you're you're putting them down for being a big government, tax and spend liberal from Massachusetts or something like that, or, or it's, it's it's kind of like you know a Texas joke. Well, Yankees, where do they come from? They come from Oklahoma. Anything north of the Red River, you know, that's the Mason Dixon line in our opinion. But there's a joke and there's a joviality to it. I saw the last vestiges of the true. Animosity that was held over by my grandfather's generation and the generation before him that handed it down. I saw that. I saw it for what it was. you know. And I saw at the same time the last vestiges of true racism in this country, where we were busing students for integration purposes and things like that. And there was resistance to it and all these other things. It was a tail end. It was the late 70s, early 80s. And that stuff's gone on behind us now. But a lot of that healing, a lot of that unifying, went right along with the spread of Thanksgiving as it slowly made its way through the United States. What I'm saying to you folks is in 1880, if you lived in South Georgia, you didn't celebrate Thanksgiving at all. You didn't even notice. You didn't even care. If you had a kid in college up north, he'd write you a letter about it. you, You were like, yeah, you're with that damn Yankee holiday today thanksgiving is celebrated in all 50 states and it's one of the first american traditions that's uniquely american that legal immigrants and even illegal immigrants let me be fair that come to our country adopt as one of their own it is one of the most unifying things in america and it's why i get disgusted when people try to tear it down and on Thanksgiving Day, we should not just get together and eat food and be thankful for the bounty in front of us. We should think of the other things that we're thankful for. So I ask you to pause today and just think, what are you thankful for? As you continue to prepare for the unknown future, try to make your life better, whether it gets bad or it doesn't, living the show free as you, as you continue to be an ant like those brave people before us that were preppers and survivalists and didn't even know that that's what it was called, It was just living back then. Think about all the things that make your life easier. The fact that you can turn a switch and a light bulb will come on. The fact that if you're cold, there's a little box on your wall that you can turn up, and if you're hot, you can turn it down. It will change the temperature of your home. The fact that a person like me is free to get on the Internet and blast his government and sometimes support it. And no one shows up at my house to take me away. That you're free to listen to it and no one shows up at your house and takes you away. That you're free to go any church, temple, or synagogue that you want to worship God as your choice. Or you're free to not. The freedom to do so and the freedom to not do so. is something that long ago became uniquely American. It's prevalent in many places in the world today. People often think of the Puritans and the Pilgrims being deeply religious. And they held their own community to deep religious standards, but they didn't try to force that onto other communities. They really didn't. It's a misnomer. They did try to spread it among the Indians, and that didn't work out real good. But, you know, nobody's perfect. Think about how grateful you should be that you can walk up to a police officer in this nation and ask for help. And get it. Because there's places where people so fear their police, they would never go to a police officer for help. Think about how grateful you are that despite the fact that our education system needs a massive overhaul, at least everybody learns how to read that wants to in this country. And that's true. No matter how bad you want to put down the education system, any kid that goes to our schools, any of them, even the crappiest one that wants to learn to read, to write, and do basic math, They'll come out with that education. There's places in the world where you can't buy that education. Be grateful for all that we have. And just remember that unique part of Thanksgiving that no one ever talks about that I talked to you earlier. Just remember that when people 200 years ago sat down to a massive banquet, it wasn't just patting themselves on the back. It wasn't just being thankful. It was, we know winners almost here. We know that the last days that the sun really is warm on our faces are almost over for a while. We know that we're going to go into a darkness. We know that we're going to go into a time where there's not very much. But we also are going to feast. And we're not going to ration today or tomorrow or the next day. We're going to feast for three days because we know we'll see spring. And folks, there could be no better time than to think of that than today. Because today, our nation is headed for some very tough times. Our government has pumped $7 trillion of phony money into our economy. They've done it. There's no no way to pull it back now. It's already happened. Right now, we're seeing prices come down. Prices on everything will go up. They have to. You can't put $7 trillion into an economy without devaluing money. can't be done. We're going to go through some dark times. But even while you're prepping, even while you're saving, even while you're preparing, I want you to stop, not just on Thanksgiving, but every once in a while. I want you to stop. I want you to gather around your family, your friends, people that don't have other people. I want you to sit down and I want you to feast. It doesn't always have to be with food. Sometimes it can be with words. Sometimes it can be with activities. But every once in a while, I want you, I want you to just splurge on yourself with emotion and even money, and certainly with food, and just enjoy it, and make it something special, and make it part of remembering that even though you have to be smart about how you spend, you have to be smart about how you store, you have to be smart about how you work, how you save, that every once in a while you need to remind yourself that spring will come, and that you're going to be there to see it. That's really all I have for you today. This has been Jack Spirico with a Thanksgiving edition of the Survival Podcast. Hoping that I've helped you figure out today how to live that better life if times get tough, or even if they don't. You can stream scream, and you can holler. It really doesn't matter, because all gets fanned.